You're listening to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I'm here to help facilitate conversations around what it means to step into your confidence so you can live the life you want, not the one you think you should. Join me as we talk about body and self-acceptance, nutrition, movement, and mindset so that you can uncover what dulls your sparkle so you can shine. With that, let's go to the show. Okay, I'm so excited for this interview today. It is one that I have wanted to do for so long. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that one of the things that I've been doing is brain spotting. And a lot of you have written in and messaged me and texted me and said, Kim, what the heck is brain spotting? And so what I wanted to do was to bring my good friend Esther Prelog in and have her tell you all about somatic processing and what the difference is between neurofeedback and brain spotting and EMDR and EFT and how all of these things can help improve, gosh, so much. I mean, the differences that I've seen, we're going to talk about, we're going to get into all of it today, and I'm so excited. So Esther, welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so tell everybody a little bit about your background and what it is that you do. Okay, uh, I have a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in counseling with a youth and child specialization. Um, and I'm a licensed counselor in Oregon. In my practice, I'm very intrigued and excited about the neurological approach to healing. Mm-hmm. So we, I work with kids uh, parents, families. I do a lot of high conflict stuff and my specialty is trauma. Um, so lots of exciting things that we're doing to help with trauma. That's incredible. How did you get into trauma work specifically? Um, so I started off my practice working with attachment disordered children who had been traumatized and adoption adoptions from overseas and some in the States. Mm -hmm. And we were seeing a lot of head injuries and insomnia. And then also some of the parents had a lot of trauma going on with that because they weren't really expecting the degree of um, healing that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And so a friend uh, actually offered to show me what neurofeedback was, and that's where it started. Um, And we saw such exciting results with neurofeedback that I just kept looking for new and awesome approaches for healing. Oh my gosh. So it was pretty cool. And now we don't just work with kids. We'll, we see a lot. Of, actually, I see mostly adults at this point. And um, we can talk about peak performance training later, but a lot of athletes and professionals are using these modalities um, to help their brains work better and more efficiently. It's really just about efficiency. So sometimes we get tied into, you know, is it trauma or, you know, is there something wrong? But I, I like to look at it like, let's see how much better we can function. And just so it's really for everyone, not just for traumatized oh. people. So oftentimes on the show, I talk about neurofeedback and brain spotting and EFT. And I use the word somatic processing and reprocessing. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? So when I think of somatic, I think of just body-based therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we sometimes think about counseling or 
therapy, we think of two people sitting in a chair and talking to each other, which can be really helpful, but mm-hmm. I'd say it's probably about 30% of the work that needs to happen. Yeah. And these body-based therapies are really going to be able to get deeper and um, get a better degree of healing. Yeah. Yeah. And you do, you incorporate talk therapy into... Absolutely. Yes. The body processing too. Yeah. Because it's important. You need to find empathy and validation and be able to um, process those day-to-day things and childhood things. So you need someone safe to talk to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be really hard to find. The relationship is so important. Yes. I tell people, if you don't feel safe and you don't feel believed or understood or really comfortable, I mean, it's going to be awkward at first, but if you're not feeling pretty comfortable after a few sessions, leave. Don't do it. So. Yeah. Which I think is really good for people to hear because a lot of people have tried, I'm using air quotes, therapy. Right. To... To make the progress that they want to, but they've had a bad experience. Or maybe they have tried one or two and feel like, well, counseling's not for me because they haven't found that right person. Absolutely. So yeah. is that pretty normal then to maybe have like a tryout almost? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think that for the average client that I see, I'm usually between the second to fifth, mm-hmm. all the way up to the 10th counselor. Um, and I say, it's okay. It, most of all, you need to be feeling like you're believed and heard. Yeah. You know, there's got to be some empathy there. So uh, it's okay to kind of shop around until you feel like you find it. So, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so encouraging to hear because I hear that a lot. Yeah. And it's people. pretty, I mean, I, that's pretty upsetting to yeah. go somewhere and really be in that vulnerable position. And if you're not feeling really comfortable, heard and understood and believed, mm-hmm. I say leave. Just don't even worry about it. Just keep looking. Um, It's just kind of like finding anything. You got to find the right thing. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely don't like grin and bear it. Yeah. Yikes. No. No, I think about all of the therapists that over the last 15 years that I've seen. And it is a process. And some people get you to a certain place or, you know, are good for a certain time. Or then maybe you, you take a break or you switch. And you switch from talk therapy into more. And all of it builds on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And it's so great. Like none of the work in finding somebody or doing talk therapy, none of that is a waste. All of it is a building block for future healing. So, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, let's start with neurofeedback. What, What is it? Okay, so in a nutshell, neurofeedback is where we take tiny little electrodes that are just like stethoscopes, Mm -hmm. and we stick them to your head and measure brain waves. So we measure EEG, and that's pretty much blood flow. And there's certain um, brain activity that is, I'm trying to find the best word, um, that For instance, if you had a head injury, then there would be slowing. And so we would take these electrodes. And the most exciting part to me about neurofeedback is at the split second that your brain is at peak functioning, you get a reward site and sound. And the brain is so adept at learning that at that split second, it will adjust itself to meet those goals. So our kind of equipment that we're using is um, mainly output-based and so, and people will sit, look at me and say, how, how is this possible? But that's how well our brain is at collecting information and using it. So we take a measurement called a brain map 
and then we'll measure um, EEG activity. And it's a surface level EEG. It's not those beautiful pictures like an MRI. Um, and then we get an idea of what's going on in the different areas of the head. And the the front of the head is in uh, responsible for a certain activity in the back of the head and the temporal lobes. All those areas um, have different functions. So we'll measure those and then compare them. There's a comparative database with about 2,000 healthy brains. Oh, wow. And then get an idea kind of where um, there's too much or too little and kind of what's going on there. And there's, um, if you look, if people are curious about neurofeedback and you look at it, uh, Bessel van der Kolk has a lot of good material about what we're talking about today um, because some people are really intrigued by the various brain waves we're measuring and what the different places on the head, what the functions are. Yeah. Like math and reading are in the temporal lobes or um, emotional regulation is going to be on top. And so we kind of look for those spots. Um, it's kind of a long-term therapy, but people generally see pretty exciting results within a handful of sessions. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of like piano lessons. You learn to, your brain learns to work better and then it'll kind of wear off and then you do it again. And so you want to keep kind of going until you feel like you've mastered that and your brain is kind of holding the training. Mm -hmm. And this is another, all the modalities that we're about to talk to today, I get so excited about because athletes and professional, I mean, professional athletes are using this equipment in training camp. Um, I read an article a few years back, the Seattle Seahawks were using neurofeedback at training camp. I don't like the Seahawks that much, but (laughs) (laughs) I was really excited. Um, So anyways, that's what it is. So that's a little bit different than what you would normally see in a therapist's office. You can find people doing neurofeedback on naturopaths do it quite a bit. There's um, Mm. one called Lens, L-E-N-S. That one uses the same kind of electrodes to put on the head and puts just a tiny bit of electrical stimulation in your brain just to kind of wake up those brain waves and get them working at their best. Um, So that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. It's just so amazing to be able to measure EEG and teach our brains to work better like that. We have the technology to do that and it just makes me so happy. So So with the brain mapping, what are you looking for specifically? Well, um, we measure the points on the 1020 system. So there's 20 places on your brain that we measure. Um, and we are measuring alpha, theta, beta, delta, and high beta. Um, and so, for instance, with your eyes closed, a person should have quite a bit of alpha in the back of their head. And if they don't, they're generally depressed. Wow. Um, and alpha is really our feel-good brainwave. Um, so... That's what we're looking for. We're kind of looking for the volume in those areas. Mm -hmm. And so we're measuring kind of like the volume on your radio. We're measuring the radio stations and how how, uh, loud it is. And that's what we're looking for. Wow. So then by placing the electrodes on the the top of the head, Mm -hmm. what's the next step? So the first session would be, I think... um, Good clinicians are always going to do a brain map. Um, There are a few protocols that you could just do to try. Um, But if we're looking at head injury or mental health, I would uh, say brain mapping is really good just to see uh, details. Um, So you'd come in for a session, do the brain mapping. We do it a little bit differently. We'll put it into the software and then we meet with an expert to look at the data. And then we come up with the best treatment plan in the, what we call protocols to use. So then someone will come in for the next session after that. And then, um, the electrodes will go on your head for 
if it's lens, which we're not doing lens right now, but if it's lens, it'll just take a few minutes um, wow. for the kind of neurofeedback we're doing called Z-score training. We'll put those electrodes back on your head and then uh, clients can watch a movie or listen to sounds while they're watching a movie. And I usually tell people like, don't try and concentrate or do anything differently. Just zone out and let your brain do the work. Wow. So it's a very relax. It's generally very relaxing. Wow. Not always, but sometimes, yeah. It, it can lift brain fog, help with insomnia. We've seen really exciting results with ADHD. That's one of my favorites. Um, head mm. injuries. People who have head injuries, which most people do have, um, it's just so it, the it's really exciting and it's very gentle. You don't yeah. really need to talk. Um, we do have licensed therapists running sessions. Um, so we integrate talk therapy along with neurofeedback, but if you go to a neurofeedback center, you can just do these things and sit and kind of just have it done to you. So that's kind of nice. It's a lot different than brain spotting and EMDR. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> a lot more gentle. Yeah. So I love that. So then by doing brain spotting or not brain spotting, I'm so sorry, but by doing neurofeedback, you are increasing the different waves where there's deficiencies. That's right. Or if there's too much, like too much beta can cause a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. then we'll train it down. Amazing. So then at the split moment, your brain's making less, you get a reward sighted sound and the brain will literally adjust itself. Wow. Um, the brain is very rhythmic. It's a musical brain. There's always rhythms and beats going in. And this equipment allows us to kind of tap into those beats and kind of adjust the volume. It's really... Mm -hmm incredible. Um, so if we can just catch these patterns and then teach them to work better, then they will. Yeah. So. And this is really great for kids too, right? Absolutely. Any kiddo that can hold still for a couple minutes. Yes. <laughs> um, although we've had some pretty wiggly people. Uh, for Z-score training, you need to be able to hold still. For lens, it's you don't have to hold still for very long at all. Wow. So. And that, that, this one is really exciting for people who are like, I don't want to do therapy. I'm not in the mood to talk. You know, yeah. that's fine. You can still find some healing. I mean, it's always better if you're able to process with talking or art. Um, but if, if not, that's okay too. So. Yeah. That's incredible. I love, I love that. Cause I know that you've worked with some kiddos with rad, which if you could tell us a little bit about rad too, that would be sure. amazing. Um, RAD stands for Reactive Attachment Disorder, and um, it's in the first uh, 12 months of life, up to 36 months, um, there's billions of neural pathways being built around trust. And mm -hmm. so um, it's kind of a complicated diagnosis, but I, I it's a really a spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, in those first 12 months, if a child, if a baby is in pain, uh, even if it's not anyone's fault uh, or being abused or have had medical problems, um, trauma in the home, uh, loss of a caregiver, uh, changes of caregivers, mm. um, then that can disrupt those neural pathways um, and really just wires the brain differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it comes along with a lot of other things. I think the the story that I heard that made me really understand rad the best was um a woman had gone to an orphanage to check it out she was adopting and she told me the story and she said you know it was a wonderful place and there were nuns taking care of the babies and everybody was really clean and seemed to be well cared for 
but it was very quiet and there were lots of babies. And so mm-hmm. she looked at the, the caregiver and said, how is it so quiet? And the woman looked back at her with a very forlorn face and said, they usually stop crying after about a week or two. We don't have enough staff here. So at a tiny age, first newborn, uh, they will stop looking for their needs to be met. And then it kind of stops. Some of that stops permanently. Wow. Does that make sense? And that diagnosis can lead to a lot of personality disorders. Yeah. It gave me so many goosebumps. Yeah. That one, it's sad, but there's a lot of healing that can happen. But, um, yeah, that one, the, that diagnosis kind of morphs into narcissistic personality disorder, borderline uh, addictions and things like that. So we really like early intervention when brains are still, um, learning and developing. And so we see a lot faster results with children and, and teens too. Uh, so that's really, it's fun uh, to get in there and be able, but I tell people who are older, that's okay too. You're never too old to yeah. heal your brain. So. So true. I love that. I love the whole, just the aura of hope around all of these modalities. Yeah. That's so never t- Yeah. It's never too late. It's never too early to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen other clinics that are doing neurofeedback on infants So we're not doing that yet, but it makes me really happy. It makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. And some eye movement therapies also with infants. Nice. (laughs) So That's crazy. So speaking of eye movement, that is a perfect segue into EMDR. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And what the therapy does is uses eye movements to help people reprocess trauma. Um, Wow. The eyes are connected to the amygdala and to the deep brain. So this treatment is automatically going to go a lot deeper than any kind of talk therapy. Um, I think of our brain like a library and everything in our brain is in half. And so what happens is a trauma memory doesn't fully process through both hemispheres. And I'm, eye movement therapy like EMDR will access both hemispheres and have people reprocess a traumatic event so that it can get stored in a in a less troubling area in the brain. Does that make sense? That does, yeah. So um, that's if, incredible. If you and I just witness a traumatic event at this moment, then that memory would short circuit and it wouldn't fully process through both hemispheres and it would disturb us in our sleep and in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um And so a normal memory will fully process through both hemispheres and it won't cause us problems. So the eye movement therapy, the therapist will use like a stick with a ball at the end and have people look very quickly to one side and the other side of the room, very quickly, back and forth, back and forth while they uh, think and are triggered and remembering this memory. And uh, it can be really intense, but incredibly powerful healing. Mm. Um, And then I've had sessions actually where someone who's been terrified about an event for their whole life is able to process and heal from that event in one session. So when you say process and heal, what does that look like? Because it doesn't erase the memory. No, it actually, that's a really good question, Kim. It it re-stamps the timestamp. Um, so a traumatic memory, if someone's been traumatized by, let's say, I don't know, any anything, and they're in a 
having a panic attack, you know, in the middle of the store. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't know exactly what triggered it. Maybe they looked at a bag of chips that they saw when there was a trauma event going on. Who knows? But our body remembers and it's sending a signal like, hey, Mm -hmm. we don't feel good. Um, And then they are reliving that trauma over and over and over, right? With night terrors or with sweating or a panic attack. So it's as if it's happening again right now. Mm. And so when we reprocess it, then the the timestamp is put in appropriate way. So you'll still remember it, but you won't have the um, heart racing, sweaty palms type of thing. Um, And I've actually done it for myself. Um, My infant daughter uh, almost suffocated. uh, And I... Gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was really quick. And I was making her bottle and she had pulled a pillow on her. So I went to work the next day and the fire department came and, you know, I, it, she was fine, but it was really scary because she was kind of out of it. She was so tiny and mm. I, she was muffled, you know, it's just, <laughs> right. So terrifying. I go to work and my hands are shaking and I'm like this, my, I'm, my hands are shaking. Both of them are shaking. And I'm like, I'm fine. I know she's fine. Everything worked out. And I'm talking to my colleague and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get what's wrong with me. You know, I kind of feel sick. My stomach feels sick. Mm. And she said, honey, you need to go do some EMDR. And so I did in one session. I did EMDR. And now I'm like, oh, that happened. That was crazy. Glad that's over. And I feel nothing except for a little bit excited that, you know, everything worked out. Wow. So I usually tell clients and friends, if you've, uh, if you're remembering something and it's making you feel sick or if you get a headache, um, if you, if you get a headache or you feel sick or, um, you can't sleep or you're having dreams, then that's a clue that your body needs to discharge some trauma and our body remembers everything. And Bessel van der Kolk has awesome books and material and articles about the ways that our bodies store trauma. It's all kept in our body, whether we know it or not. And it doesn't even have to be a real traumatic event. It could be the perception of a traumatic event also. No. Yes. It's okay. just the way we believe about something. So even wow. if you thought you might die, but there was even no possibility of it, that is also stored in the body as well. Wow. And it doesn't even have to be something like death. Like my daughter was a good example of something super traumatic for anyone. Um, but athletes are using it too. Um, I can't remember the word that they use for um, baseball players who get um, the pitchers. They talk a lot about pitchers and batters and how it's all in the mind. It's all about their mindset and how well they can perform that day. And sometimes if they get in a bad streak, then they just can't shake it. So they're using these eye movement therapies also so that they can kind of heal from each of those tiny, you know, tiny traumas or big traumas of failing in front of millions of people. Yeah. So it could it doesn't have to be that my child almost died. It could be that, you know, I played a horrible game last week. Yeah. Um or I totally blew this meeting. Um mm-hmm. or I see a lot of people with chronic illness, you know, I was too sick to be able to go to something or other and I missed it. So all these things are on a spectrum of what I would consider to be traumatic. Yeah. And our brain it just kind of bogs it down. It makes it slow. It's like having viruses on your computer. Mm -hmm. And so if we can clear those, then you'll be able to just work faster and be able to think clearer. It makes me really excited that athletes, actors, and professionals are using these modalities. Yeah, totally. So So here's something that before we get into brain spotting that I want to ask you is about trauma. Trauma kind of seems like a buzzword right now. There's a lot of people on the scene who are talking about it. How do we know what an appropriate definition of trauma is and 
how do you know if you have it? Because <laughs> I know for a lot of people that I talk to, the comparison trap comes in where people will dismiss what's happened to them because they don't because they see someone who has had, you know, horrible Much things worse, happen to yeah. them. Yeah. And I can't possibly have trauma because it's nothing like this person's. Right. So can I, you I don't know us? if I'm going to be able to help with this um, or I don't know the best way to answer, but I would say every person has some trauma, mm-hmm. um, whether it fits the criteria for PTSD or complex PTSD diagnosis. You know, I don't know until I meet the person, um, but we all have things that can slow us down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that slows you down. Yeah. It's something that kind of gets in the way, or yeah. I think of it like something that kind of gets in the way uh, or... Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. And like mm-hmm. viruses on your computer, it doesn't matter if one person experienced something that was worse than another or if someone was adopted from overseas and I wasn't. Right. Um, that's just a whole rabbit trail that you just don't want to get into where you're mm-hmm. comparing your trauma to someone else's. It's just That's just not – it's yeah. kind of codependent behavior. Yeah. So – but I, yeah, folk, I tell people, focus on yourself and just worry about yourself. And mm-hmm. if your palms are sweaty and you feel like you're short of breath, then let's work on that. Yeah. It doesn't matter if what you experienced was worse than someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Anything that's slowing you down or maybe holding you back or contributing to behaviors that are not serving you. Absolutely. If it's causing emotional eating or drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. drugs, um, misuse of sex, a uh, hard time with relationships, uh, job losses or, you know, hard to sleeping. That's yeah. my number one. If people mm-hmm. aren't sleeping, then that's number one. So, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I would say if you're having a hard time sleeping, then definitely seek some therapies. Yeah, totally. Or any kind of addictive behavior mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's this is so exciting to talk about, and I'm really pumped to get to brain spotting. We saved the best for last. I know, it's so exciting. <laughs> okay, so so tell us tell us about brain spotting. First, let's start with what it is, and then we'll we'll just go from there. Okay, let me mention something about EMDR too before we cross over, because EMDR and brain spotting are very similar. Um, some people might disagree with me, but from what I've understood, it's all bilateral stimulation. That's what we call it. So the EMDR is really just tapping into both sides. We're going to get it going. And people sometimes use tappers. Um, they're called tappers. And they're little vibrating things that go in each hand. Hmm. Uh, so even blind people can do these. Um, wow. It doesn't necessarily, you know, so it's bilateral stimulation. So EMDR, like I said before, is rapid eye movements and brain spotting is very slow or still eye movements. And of all the things that we're going to talk about today, I've spent thousands of dollars and hours on training for neurofeedback. And now I'm so (laughs) impressed. I just can't believe it, um, how powerful brain spotting is. Mm -hmm. So have you ever found yourself staring off into space when you're concentrating? Yes. That's the way that your brain's accessing information. And I usually concentrate best when I'm looking down. Um, That's the way that I can retrieve information. Like while we're sitting here talking, when I'm really concentrating, I'm looking at my shoe or I'm looking over at the piece of lint on the carpet. Um, Brain spotting clinicians will use attunement and EMDR, all the modalities, attunement's important. And I think attunement is a reason why talk therapy works as well as it does without doing some of these. Because when someone sits near you, 
in attunement and empathy, then that can cause healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so our bodies have a six-foot electromagnetic field around them. So if you've ever been around a friend who is upset, but you hadn't seen their face or your spouse or your child, but you knew something was wrong, that is your neuro, neuro, uh, it's your electromagnetic field picking up on theirs, which is really exciting. So, well, that gives me goosebumps. <laughs> right. I, I feel like brain spotting is the, made me the most excited because the therapy itself is very much focused on this attunement piece by the clinician. Mm-hmm. And a great brain spotting therapist has done their own work. Um, so brain spotting mm-hmm. also uses the stick with the little ball at the end, but it'll um, they'll will use very slow eye movements, and sometimes you'll even stay looking at the same spot for forty five minutes. Yeah, and so um, David Grant. Um, came up with brain spotting. And if you look him up on the internet, there's really fun YouTubes with him talking and describing this, but I'll give it like a real brief overview. Um, I put music, bilateral music on people's heads. So they'll listen to headphones Mm -hmm. and usually it's nature sounds. And then we'll Usually the client chooses the the spot because when they start telling me about what they're upset about, they're staring at something Mm -hmm. in the room. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, okay, keep looking at what you're looking at. And then all this stuff starts to come out when we hold right there. So there, that too is getting the bilateral stimulation. So we're really activating both sides. Um, but I think that you can process a lot more faster brain spotting versus EMDR. Um, if someone had had one traumatic event in their life and they've had really a lot of great health before and then they witnessed a traumatic event, EMDR is that's it. You just go and do a few sessions of that and it'll be done. Um, but generally, trauma is connected, and yeah. all of it's connected with um, it's not even necessarily what we saw or what we did, but it's what we believe about ourselves in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I could have done something, I should have. Yeah. And a lot of that stems from childhood. Um, but David Grant says if EMDR is a shotgun, brain spotting is like a laser beam. So we can do a lot more in one sessions. Brain spotting and EMDR can be pretty intense, which I think you've experienced. Sometimes it can be really uncomfortable. While we're discharging trauma and talking about all these horrible things we don't want to think about, but our bodies are thinking about all the time, it can be very uncomfortable. It's true. So it's not for the faint of heart, but if people are willing to do it, it's like really tough exercise and you'll feel really a lot better. Maybe not right after, but you'll feel better pretty quick. Yeah. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say that this is also for for people that don't like to do a lot of talk therapy as well? Because while you are talking a little bit, it seems like your brain is doing a lot of the work. Yep. It's, this is another one. Um, brain spotting, I think, could be done in total silence. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it even works better that way yeah. because we're using the surface level brain when we're talking. Mm-hmm. So you're actually not going to be able to access very deep memories while you're in like deep, those deep amygdala way back in the, on top of the brainstem. You're not really going to be able to clear that if you're in the moment talking at the whole time. Uh, you know, sometimes we talk when we're trying to block um, how we feel. A lot of people do that. I do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start really getting chatty and wanting to talk. And so sometimes my therapist will say, all right, we're going to slow down and just have some silence for five minutes, which was really hard for me at first. Now I can, <laughs> now I can do it for a long time. 
So um, brain spotting to sometimes a clinician won't need to use a stick. And like I said, can use items in the room. That's called gaze spotting. Mm. So if you're gazing at mm-hmm. something um, and it's just the most incredible per- peak performance training I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what else I could say about it unless you have other questions. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's, so this, what makes brain spotting the best? Like what makes it kind of the gold standard as far as trauma reprocessing? Hmm, That's a really good question. Um, For me, I felt the difference because I had been going to EMDR for myself to clear some trauma in my own life. And then my therapist learned brain spotting. And so I got the incredible opportunity to do both. And I couldn't mm. believe the difference. I've, mm. I love EMDR. Um, it's wonderful. And a lot of people understand it better. It's more popular. Um, but the difference that I felt was immediate with brain spotting. And mm-hmm. some sessions were equally as intense. Um, but... So then as time went on, I thought, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this. Maybe it won't work so well for other people. I thought, this can't be. Mm -hmm. So I go to the conference and I learn about it and I come back to my practice, to the clients that I've been seeing, some of them for years, and I start doing this with my clients and it's like breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough every single session. Wow. And... And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I can't, I can't believe it. I started doing it about a year ago and it's just, they said at, at the conference, they were teasing. They said at first, when you start doing this at work, you're going to want to write it down because you're going to see so many incredible breakthroughs, but don't bother because mm-hmm. there's going to be so many. And that's exactly the experience that I've, I've had with it. Um, people who have been stuck, who have used my other methods and have had found some healing are just finding a deeper level of healing that they didn't have before. And yeah. it's really fun to see. I think sometimes it's easier to see it in other people than in ourselves. <laughs> so I like to ask family members, um, mm. you know, what differences can you see and what can you notice about your spouse or your child? Or Yeah. So that's kind of fun to get the perspective from other people. Mm-hmm. So that's so cool. And brain spotting is it's newer right? It's like maybe 15, 20 years old. Yeah, 20 years. Uh, By American standard, that's brand new, right? Wow. Uh, Because we kind of are slow to embrace new, Mm -hmm. air quotes, new therapies that have been around for 20 years. (laughs) So um, yeah, it's a little bit less structured. EMDR has a very structured way that the clinician chooses which traumatic event to process with Mm -hmm. the client. Whereas brain spotting, your brain will actually choose it. And myself and other clients that I've done it with have had dreams. It really activates a theta state. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've experienced that where I've had dreams. My eyes are open and I know I'm awake, but I'm dreaming. Wow. Um, It's kind of similar to hypnosis. Mm -hmm. uh, Except for having, instead of someone hypnotizing you, your brain kind of is taking yourself on a ride. Yeah. You have to learn to kind of let it go, which is hard Mm -hmm. for a lot of us. (laughs) Sometimes I have clients come in and be like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, just feel, just notice, Yeah, you know, and how often do we really do that? So it's kind of this beautiful thing, too, where I think we can learn to do some of this on our own, where you kind of just sit and be and just notice, notice your stomach ache that you had all day long. Some people just, we just ignore it, right? And we just keep going. So um Brain spotting is really fun, and I think it goes a lot faster than the the other things we talked about today. They all have their place, and they're all awesome. 
Yeah. But if people have a chance to get to do brain spotting, I can't recommend it enough. That one makes me so excited. I tell everybody about it all the time. Standing at the store, I'm like, you should try brain spotting. You won't believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People on airplanes. Yeah. I'm pr- I just, I've just never witnessed such incredible healing. It's kind of like watching childbirth. Mm-hmm. And this is what I get to do for my job now. So that's amazing. Sometimes we cover an eye. I don't know if you've ever tried that before, mm-hmm. but sometimes we'll do brain, oh, I don't like that. brain spotting <laughs> with one eye. Yeah. It's so intense. It is. Yeah. It's so crazy. The whole, the whole process. And how your perspective changes when you yeah. cover one eye versus the other eye. Um, there mm-hmm. is a movie um, called The Brain That Changes Itself. Hmm. If if people, oh my gosh, if you guys can watch that, it kind of explains a little bit more about what we're doing. Um, but you can cover your eye and then it teaches your brain to work differently. That's it's so crazy. Exercise. When you said movie, I thought you were going to say inside out. I got excited. Oh, <laughs> that one's good too. But the brain that changes itself, there's a book too. And it's kind of a, about all these exciting changes that we can do. Yeah. So. so for all of these modalities, who is this for? Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. I really believe it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's for all people of all ages. Yeah. Um, at least that's what the population we're, we're serving at my office is everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like I said before, athletes, uh, people who use their brains, David Grand said, I got to meet him. And he said, uh, it's brain spotting. Half the time I was writing this book, you know, just stop and just kind of stare and retrieve information. And if you can kind of notice yourself doing that, then you can kind of understand what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and you may start feeling things mm-hmm. and kind of stuff will start coming up out of your body. Yeah. So I think it's for everybody. That's amazing. I've loved brain spotting and I've seen such a big difference. And you had told me about it, what, like six months ago? Yeah, you really have worked hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it makes me really happy. I told you about it and you just you just went. You're like, I gotta try this. And yeah. then and then can you tell that you're different? How yeah. can you tell you're different? Yeah. So I love what you said about, especially with brain spotting, the immediate change. The immediate thing that I notice is that there's more space. Mm-hmm. I feel like I went from feeling very boxed in and having almost like little blinders on my eyes and I couldn't see big picture. And so every time I leave brain spotting, like I just have a, an enhanced capacity, I guess is the right way to say it, for possibilities, for hope, for joy, for being able to see things that I haven't been able to see before. You know, you and I talked about codependency and yeah. how that was something I never realized was even a thing. And it totally is. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, great. That's the next thing that we get to to brain spot and work on. And oh, you're going to make me cry when you said uh, hope and possibility. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really why we do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I couldn't I, – I thought I could tell it was helping because I thought – at first, I was like, this is so stupid. I'm just staring at this thing. This is right. so weird. I hate it. Stop looking at me. And then I started crying, and I didn't know why. Oh. And I thought, this is so weird. Like, why am I crying? I feel really sad. And um, a few months went by, and I could tell that I was reading and able to remember what I read a lot faster. Oh. And then there was this one day, like six months ago, I have this to-do list that I do as part of my business, and I have kids at home, and it's pretty busy. And so my to-do list de- uh, usually dogs me for like a week, mm-hmm. and it, all week long, 
I'm like kind of avoiding it. I kind of want to do it, but I don't. And then I'll cross them off and I, and I eventually get it done. Well, I didn't realize it's, I had no idea, you know, but I had my to-do list this one day and I, I did it in 15 minutes and I wow. looked at it and I was like, wait, whoa, it's gone. And then that started happening. And I thought this is totally brain spotting. Wow. Or we've had to move houses quite a bit and um, we've moved over the years over the last five years, we've moved houses quite a bit and we have um, kids and it's, it's a big project. Well, this last time we moved, my husband and I moved after work in a week and all the stuff was put away in two weeks and I couldn't figure it out. And I looked at him. He's been doing brain spotting too for about a year. And I looked at him and I said, what's different? Like, mm. how is this possible? How did this happen? Like the stuff is put yeah. away. It's like organized. He's like, I don't know. I, I have no idea. And I'm like, it has to be brain spotting. That's the mm-hmm. only thing that's changed about us. And we've mm-hmm. moved four times. Yeah. So that's the kind of possibilities like that make mm-hmm. it's things that I never was hoping for. I never was hoping for or looking for that have happened. Yeah. You know? Right. So that's amazing. And picking my nails was a big one because I picked my nails and I've always done that. And I kind of didn't know why, but I knew it was anxiety related. And this one day after brain spotting and just never picked them again. And that lasted for about seven months. And then I picked them like the last month and I'm like, oh, it's time to go back to brain spotting. So I'll go mm-hmm. and do that some more. But things I, I wasn't ever expecting to happen. Yeah. A lot of people say that. They'll say my my spouse smiles more. You know, I, I never yeah. noticed my their teeth, but now I can mm-hmm. see their teeth. And I've had a lot of parents tell me that about their kids. Wow. Like they haven't slammed their door in a month or I don't hear them stomping or their music isn't so loud. That's amazing. So something changes about the way we're processing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Gosh, there's so there's so many other things that I want to talk about, but I think this is a great place to land, and I'd love to, yeah, to do another whole other episode on all the things. We could do an episode on fun stories, <laughs> <laughs> you know, about the changes that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I'm so glad that you told me about it six months ago because that has changed my life and I know that it's changing my husband and it's just been, my gosh, phenomenal. It's been hard to be sure. It's hard work. Sometimes it stirs stuff up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, yeah, there's just so many benefits from it. It's amazing. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that you did it. Yeah. A lot of, I've been able to see a lot of my friends healing and mm-hmm. my husband and myself and it's just such a blessing. Right. So cool. I love it. So if somebody wants to learn more about your practice and get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So my practice is called Pacific Counseling and Neurotherapies, and the website is pacifictherapy.net. And there's a place there to schedule. Um, I do free 30-minute consults. So some people want to try actually try brain spotting that day, so that's fine too. Um, There might be a link on there. I can't remember on my website if there's a link um, to some of David Grand's information, but the other way to learn more about brain spotting is David Grand has some YouTube videos that are really, I think they're really cool. Some of them are long. Um, so that would be a good way. My phone number and everything is on the website. So. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Esther, thank you so much for all that you're doing to help people find that hope and healing. It's beautiful to watch. And thank you for taking time to be here today. Thanks for having me. 
And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Captivatingly Confident. I am so excited that you're here and investing in yourself. If you want to learn more about Captivatingly Confident, you can visit my website, captivatinglyconfident.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at kim.ludeman. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you would like to, I invite you to subscribe to the show and also to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Every single review means so, so much to me, and it helps to get the word about Captivatingly Confident out and to help change women's lives. I'll see you next time.